Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. You wouldn't settle for watching a blurry TV, would you? So why settle for just okay TV sound? Upgrade your streaming and sound all in one with Roku Stream Bar. This powerful two-in-one upgrade for any TV lets you stream your favorite entertainment in brilliant 4K HDR picture and hear every detail with auto speech clarity. Whether you're hosting a party or just cleaning the house, turn it up and rock out with iHeartRadio and room-filling sound. Learn more about Roku Stream Bar today at Roku.com. Happy streaming. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs starting on March 13th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you, because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ibera Star Hotels and Resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. This is the Anxiety Bites Podcast, and I am your host, Jen Kirkman. Welcome to another episode of Anxiety Bites. Welcome to the season finale of Anxiety Bites. I'm your host, Jen Kirkman. My guest today is Dr. Julie Smith. I love how this episode with Dr. Julie lined up to be the last episode because she has a book out that's quite popular called Why Has Nobody Told Me This Before? And then the byline is Everyday Tools for Life's Ups and Downs. And I think that's just a nice note to end on. Why has nobody told me this before? I think that could be said when you look back on all my guests from therapists to doctors to internal medicine doctors to neuroscientists artists, authors, researchers, all of the information that they present has been around for decades. And yet there's this, if the first time you heard of some of this information was on this podcast, that a former comedian and and comedy writer currently hosts, it's like, 
why is that person the one that brought this information to me? Why isn't this taught in schools? Why isn't this just, I don't know, known, you know? And so I just love, I just love bookending it with, why has nobody told me this before? And I feel that way about a lot of things when I learn them for the first time. There's this notion that, oh, well, if I'd had this information sooner, well, I really would have nailed it at life. But I don't know if that's necessarily true. I don't think we should take an opportunity about learning something new to beat ourselves up for, oh my God, imagine if I'd known this. That's more like, thank God I know this now. But yet, why has nobody told me this before? So obviously in Dr. Julie's book, there are things that you know we've gone over in this podcast, but she had a few chapters that I thought were really important messages to leave you all with that don't even necessarily have to do with you have some diagnosed anxiety disorder or you have this or you've been to therapy, but just ways that, you know, um, having a maybe an undiagnosed mental health issue or a diagnosed one that you're working on or whatever it is, that it does affect more than just your behavioral responses to said mental health issue, right? Like to put it very simply, if you had obsessive compulsive disorder, you might be very focused on how do I get these thoughts to stop? How do I stop ruminating? And then you might be focused on the treatment for that. But a lot of times there are ways that having a mental health issue, you know, whether it's a history of depression, a history of anxiety, that it really affects a lot of our parts of ourselves that we don't normally think have to do with taking care of our mental health, like our self-esteem and our confidence and the notion that we are not our mistakes. And, and so I wanted to talk to Dr. Julie about these concepts. And I think there's a lot of everyday tools that you can take right now out of my interview with Dr. Julie. And I also wanted to talk to her about the fact that she is something of a TikTok celebrity because she has these wonderful, easy to understand, colorful, you know, well-produced, beautifully filmed videos where she usually shows with some kind of object in this very creative way how our minds work and how we can reframe the way that we see things when we're taking care of our mental health. And, you know, there is a whole new world out there for people who are therapists, who see clients, who are psychiatrists and doctors to put themselves out there on social media and have to navigate this new landscape while maybe dealing with criticism that, you know, they shouldn't be doing this, they should be more of an anonymous person or whatever. And so I didn't want it to pass us by that I was also talking with someone who deals with herself what it's like to be out there in the world on social media and what she does in order to keep herself in the right headspace, you know, in in terms of putting herself out there and on there and mixing it up in the internet world. So I hope you enjoy my interview and conversation with Dr. Julie Smith. We'll see you on the flip side of that interview where I will give you takeaways from this episode and some takeaways, my own thoughts about what it's been like posting this podcast, what I've learned and what I haven't learned. So Dr. Julie, I absolutely love your book, Why Has Nobody Told Me This Before? And before we get into some of the great 
coping skills, life skills that are in this book. Was there any personal reason besides the fact that you are a doctor and you want to get this information out there, why you framed it this way and and called it why has nobody told me this before? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. The, the title actually came out of the reason I started doing any of this in the first place, which was I was um, I was running a very small private practice and lots of the people coming through uh, for therapy, once they had the educational aspect of therapy, so they learned a bit about how their own brain works and how they could impact on their own mood and their own uh, emotions and things like that that once they had that information, so many of them were raring to go. And they were saying, wow, how how has no one told me this before? You know, it's not rocket science. I can put it into my life fairly simply. But when I do, it's having this impact and my life is getting better. So this is brilliant. You know, and these are the things that people would find really helpful and take away. And they were the kind of the tools that that they would keep hold of that increased their confidence to be able to manage whatever came up. So rather than needing to know that everything was going to be okay, these seemed to be the things that helped people to know that whatever happened, they would be all right. And, you know, it was the sort of, so the title really came out of an amalgamation of what people used to say to me. How have I not learned this in school? Why has nobody told me this before? This is really helpful. So it was me wanting to kind of put all of those things into one place so that people didn't have to, you know, lots of people can't have access to therapy for many different reasons. Um, But I don't see why people should have to pay to come see people like me to find out that basic stuff about how their mind works. And you mentioned self-confidence. And I I think we'll start there. I have been trying for the whole time that I've I've done this podcast all year to infuse little moments of my belief, which I didn't come up with myself, obviously, but from learning and working on my own anxiety, that once we start to build confidence and do things that give us self-esteem, that becomes addictive. So it, it brings me to this part of your book, this little mini chapter uh, that's part of a bigger chapter, why you don't need to work on your self-esteem. I love that. Obviously, it's a very provocative heading, but tell us what you meant by that. So I I think self-esteem is one of these concepts that has been um, sort of talked about and promoted as um, that you you just have to tell yourself that you're okay and and that you have to just, you know, like yourself and praise yourself in a way that is always positive. And sometimes, you know, I think self-esteem is more helpful if we look at it in terms of the way that we feel about ourselves can be information. So it can be, you know, whatever we're feeling towards ourselves, whether it's positive or negative, something that we do in therapy is always turn towards feelings with curiosity. So rather than just trying to change it, we look at what is, and then we get to work on understanding why it is that way and how that can help us or whether it's hindering us. So, I mean, it's, it's not, um, it's not unhealthy or disordered if you reach a period of your life where you're not okay with the person that you are or the way that you're behaving. You know, to have constant positive self-esteem would suggest that you've never uh, made mistakes or you've never um, done less than you're capable of. And so I think it's okay to say, do you know what? I'm not I'm not being at my best here or I'm not doing my best for myself or for my family or for my career or for whatever that thing is. 
it's, it's okay to feel that dissatisfaction and then look at it with curiosity and learn from it and move on and progress. If we're intolerant of the dissatisfaction with ourselves and we try to sort of convince ourselves that we are we're okay as we are then then sometimes that can hinder our ability to progress and move forward i think we have to make it okay to look at um those feelings that we're not quite satisfied with how things are at the moment um so yeah that's really sort of what that was about and and there's a part that says you know someone might tell you who's trying to help you increase your self-esteem that you know just make a list, make a list of what you like about yourself. And, you know, that's, that's going to help pave the road to your belief that you can become a success in the world. And, and you say that, well, okay, but we have to go even further back than that, that societally, right, we have a problem with the concept of success. And I, I, you know, we think it means wealth and winning and standing out. And I have to assume that someone with anxiety, the, you know, I, I had someone say to me once, Stop comparing yourself to people way above you. First of all, don't compare yourself to anyone, but stop looking at people way above you and look at people underneath you, not to to um, feel better than them or say they're doing something bad, but just to look how far you've come. Look how many people would want to be in your situation in life, whatever that situation is. Like, what is our definition of success? I don't think that's a question. I was just babbling. But if there's anything you want to speak on to that. <laughs> yeah. And, and the comparison thing is is tricky, isn't it? Because we are we are built to to do that to a degree. You know, we're social beings. And so if we, it, it, our brains sort of naturally, you know, look outside of us and compare ourselves, are we living up to the expectations of this community or this group that I'm living in? Um, where do I sit in the hierarchy? Am I, you know, um, those kind of things. They're all really useful things for your brain to pick up on. And in terms of being a social being, living in a group, but in, you know, today's society where we have, you know, how many billion people at our disposal who have put their best foot forward on social media or something else, um, things that we were never exposed to before. I mean, you know, the comparison thing is really adaptive for, you know, when we used to live in smaller groups and communities, it was a survival thing. It helped us to to work out whether we were safe in that community or we were about to be, you know, rejected from it, which was a, a real survival issue. And so, you know, we can't eliminate comparison. It's going to naturally happen. And and what I often work with people in therapy on is, is stepping back from that and noticing that natural urge to do that. So noticing, oh, look, I am comparing myself. What kind of people am I comparing myself today? To today. So, you know, am I comparing up or am I comparing down? What's the impact of that on me? And why do I feel the need to do that today? What What's going on there? And always, again, coming back to it with curiosity. So rather than setting yourself the standard of, I must not compare myself to anyone and or I must only compare um, to, to people who are worse off than me so that I feel better or, you know, those sorts of things. I think, you know, those sorts of standards can sometimes set us up to feel like we're failing all over again. Um, and, and it just sort of leads to this internal argument where we're trying to think certain things and not others and, and actually thoughts just arrive. So the, the most helpful approach, I think, is to step back, notice which thoughts have arrived, notice whether they help you or hinder you, and then practice that ability to, to let them move on or to you know, hold on to ones that are, are helping you. So getting back to what you said about curiosity, 
Well, before I say that, I'll just make a quick comment that when we're talking about comparing up, comparing down, and you writing this book based on you know something your your patient said, I get so many emails on this show, and there's always this time and age obsession. And everyone is saying the same thing no matter what age they are. It's too late. You know, someone 25 thinks it's too late. Someone 60 thinks it's too late. It's too late to change. And it's like, we really just make things up to live by. You know, like there is no concept of time in terms of getting better or getting some tools. There's no, it's too late or you can't do it because your generation has a little harder with, you know, the economy or something. It's just, yeah. you, you kind of either have to do it or not, but. Yeah. And and the more we kind of buy into those narratives, the more powerful they are, whether they're helpful or not. And, and I guess if you, I mean, I love to think of sort of psychology in terms of, um, professional athletes. So we all, we all want to function well in our lives and thrive and be at our best in a similar way that athletes do, but athletes apply that to one specific performance, one specific action. And, you know, if, if you take, I don't know, we've just had Wimbledon in England. So, you know, let's say a tennis player who is on their way up through the ranks and they're doing well, but they have a way to go. If that person starts to, you know, let's say that they take on a coach, if that person started to tell that athlete that it's probably too late, um, mm. you know, it's harder these days to progress in tennis and, you know, maybe you're ranked at your, you know, uh, 100th, um, but, you know, let's compare you to uh, the number one, number two seed. Actually, you're really far behind that. That kind of approach a, mm. dec a decent coach would never, ever do, right? That, because that's going to be unhelpful. That's going to make that person feel less energized, um, less motivated to work on their craft. They're more, much more likely to give up. So you, you have to think about, you know, what results you want in terms of how you want to feel, how you want to be living, how you want to be moving towards things in your life. None of us can guarantee how much time we've got. It's just one of those, you know, aspects of life that there is uncertainty there. But we have to live as if there is a future at the same time. So, you know, if, if you want to be applying yourself to, to life in a way that enables you to thrive and do something of purpose and meaning, then we have to start treating ourselves in the way that a coach would, you know, and thinking about what kind of results do I want? Well, you know, actually the way that I speak to myself and the narrative that I bring up for myself is is going to have a powerful impact to whether I even feel like I can apply myself, let alone whether I go ahead and do it. So, you know, I think, and, and that's what happens, you know, in, in therapy again, when, when people come along, no matter what their goal is or the thing that they're trying to achieve, if, if those narratives come along, what we always do is we kind of say, wow, that's interesting. Did you notice that? You know, hmm. what's, what's that narrative? What's the impact of that? How does that leave you feeling? You know, is it always this way? Do you ever speak to yourself in a different way? So we just turn towards it with curiosity. But when you do that, you get this kind of bird's eye view of things. So rather than being in it and, and accepting that narrative for fact, we kind of step back from it and we look at, wow, that's one approach. How, how impactful is that? How effective is that? Is that getting you where you want to go? 
And if the answer is no, then we can start to look at more effective ways at, you know, working with yourself and, and relating to yourself that's, that are going to help you. And this brings me back to my original question that I've been not asking about the curiosity thing. So I'm going to jump into the mind of a listener who hasn't done any kind of cognitive behavior therapy work and, and they have anxiety, they maybe have depression, but they, you know, then that's affecting their self-esteem. So when you say, you know, don't, for lack of a better term, like don't beat yourself up, but look at these thoughts with curiosity. I assume that that might be hard for someone to do unless they're being led in a session because, you know, even looking at something with curiosity kind of left to your own devices it might still be done in this maladaptive way. So giving a free tip for everyone listening, uh, I liked how you just gave a concrete example there of saying, oh, you know, that's interesting. Look at that. And if someone is, let's say, sitting there worrying, oh, I can't get help because of this or that, or, you know, you know, I should be further along in life or I, whatever that is, for them to stop and look at that with curiosity What's a question they can ask themselves to begin doing that in a way that is helpful and not more beating themselves up? Yeah, I think I think you're right. It's really key. It's one thing to be able to um, go into something and, and talk about it. It's another thing to do that in a way that's productive rather than um, just stressful or re-traumatizing. And, and so I would say, you know, it can that stuff can be with a therapist. And I think if there's really complex, difficult stuff to to talk about, then it's always recommended. But actually, you know, we've been helping each other through difficult things for you know the the entirety of of our ability to use language. So we do that through connecting with other people in in a good way. You know, finding somebody that you trust that you can talk to, and and starting to use words between you and and um, and if you don't have someone in your life that you can talk to or that you you know things that you don't want to share with another person, you can write them down. You can um, you can record them in some way, whether that's you know writing down pen and paper or into your phone or computer or whatever, or even voice notes to yourself. One way of, of kind of getting it out of your head and in front of you so that you can start to see it for what it is. Because actually what we don't want to do is add perfectionism to the whole process and say, oh mm. gosh, now I'm being self-critical again. Oh, I'm such an idiot for being self-critical. And you know, you can kind of get into this internal argument for for having had the thoughts in the first place. It is really hard to see the wood for the trees when you're in it and you're feeling strong emotions and all the thoughts are there. We learn first through hindsight. So you know, if you start to develop, um, a, yeah, it's just so, so helpful to do something like journaling. You know, once a day, however many minutes works for you, whether it's 15 minutes, half an hour, an hour, whatever that is, just spending time looking over, okay, what was, if, if let's say you're trying to be less self-critical, were there any moments today when I was self-critical? What were those things? What came before that? What led up to that? Um, and, and how did it then make me feel afterwards? And, and just just by doing things like that, where you start to look at it with a bit of a bird's eye view, then you build up that, it's almost like a sort of mental muscle, so the ability to see that for what it is. And that's easier to do in hindsight because the emotion has passed by the time you sit down with pen and paper. But over time, you do that enough and you start to build up the ability to see it for what it is in the moment. And when we start to do that, then we open up the opportunity to choose something different. But it has to start with, okay, so what happened today? What happened this week? What, you know, and, and working through it when we've passed 
all these sort of high emotion so that we can do that clearly. We build up the practice by doing it that way. And then we build up our ability to do it more in the moment over time. So I'd say, you know, don't don't feel like you have to suddenly just be able to do all this stuff. It's difficult. We'll be right back. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd, cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at go.tcl.com slash TCL Roku TV. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs starting on March 13th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget Beach Finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ibera Star Hotels and Resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. You have a chapter in your book called Being Enough, and this is an expression that when my therapist used to say it, I would go crazy because I would think, I, what does that mean? It sounds, you say that some people think that self-acceptance is going to cause laziness and complacency. And so what, what does that mean when, when a therapist tells us that we have to accept ourselves and know that we're enough? I think um, for me, it it all comes down to um, not necessarily sort of being an, enough for everyone else or for society, but it's a, it's a having a sense of worthiness based on the fact that you're a human being. So it's having that compassion for yourself. That um, so it's not 
it's not lying to yourself. It's not telling yourself everything's fine. You're doing fine when maybe you're not, you know. Um, and, and I mean, let's say, let's take an example. Let's say my best friend sort of goes off the rails for a bit, doesn't study for an exam, takes the exam, fails the exam. And it was so important to her to pass that in order to get into her chosen career. If I'm going to be that really good friend who is compassionate towards her, I'm not going to say, hey, don't worry about it. You know, it's fine. You'll be okay. I'm, that's not, not helpful to her. Actually, the most helpful approach there is going to be one of honesty, but with kindness and support. So it's going to say, okay, you know, you're upset. This is this is not the place you wanted to be at. There've been mistakes along the way. We can get through this together. So let's, you know, it, it's saying, I'm, I'm still here for you. I'm still, you are still worthy to me. Whether your behavior was its best or not, it's saying, let's work through this. It's, you know, it's, so it's acknowledging that your worthiness is not based on whether you get everything done perfectly or you achieve, you know, and you um, become the the best of the best at whatever it is you've chosen to do. It's saying, okay, I'm here with you and I have your best interests at heart. So I'm going to help you um, and support you to be the best that you can be. And, and I guess that example is from one person to another, but we can also do that with ourselves. So it's saying, I will have my own back no matter what, because, you know, I'm with me my whole life and we've got to get on well. Um, but also... Right. But also I'm going to be my own best coach. So I'm going to be super honest with myself. You know, and we talked about the tennis example. If if I'm a tennis player and I, I miss a few shots because I've made some mistakes, I want my coach to point that out to me when I then don't win that match because we want to win the next one. Okay, if he lies to me and says, yeah, you're doing great. You're the best player ever. It just didn't go your way. Then I'm not going to learn from that experience. So it's about accepting, yes, I believe in you and I want the best for you. And I'm going to also help you learn from this experience. So I think, yeah, I think self-acceptance is is has to be something very different to self-indulgence or anything like that. It has to be mm. I have my own best interests at heart because I am I am worthy and I'm you know worthy of love and belonging and all those things. And I'm also going to push myself to do the best I can do, even when that's the difficult thing to do. Right. And using our example of of this coach. There's a chapter in your book about you are not your mistakes. And I think what you illustrated just there is perfect because, okay, you made some mistakes in this game. We have to acknowledge them so that we can get better. But you inherently, yeah, um, you made mistakes. You are not a mistake of a human being. These mistakes were made having nothing to do with who you are as a person. It could have been the grip on your racket, the weather a choice you made. Maybe you psyched yourself out. Maybe just it happened. You know, there's going to be this, those kinds of mistakes too that we can't always control. But I love that notion of teaching people that never thought about this before. Yes, you made a mistake, but you are not your mistakes. And yeah. it sounds nice, but what if someone asks you, well, what does that mean? How could I how could I not be my mistake? I'm the only one who made it. Like, how do you wrangle that desire yeah. to think that from them? Again, it's it's separating that sense of um, of worthiness as a human being from behavior. So, you know, behaviors and the things you do are a set of choices that you make. And 
sometimes you'll get that right and sometimes you'll get it wrong. And and they're doing all this stuff on AI and and they'll they'll test a computer against a person in terms of like problem solving, right? And mm. and uh, a person is always more likely to give up before succeeding because each effort towards you know solving a problem essentially you get it wrong a lot of the time right when the computer gets it wrong they see that as just a sample it's just one effort it, that one didn't work try the next one that one didn't work try the next one so they keep trying different things right so their effort continues the same all the time but they're just constantly trying different ways to solve problems and the human being at some point may start to think i'm no good at this i'm not made for this this i'm i'm terrible right so so we mm-hmm. start that that narrative begins of i'm not good enough for this i'm never going to be able to do this i'm terrible whatever whatever that narrative is that then makes us more inclined to give up and when actually we if we were to keep going we're more likely to get there and and i think that's a sort of nice metaphor for using throughout life that along the way you know, no one gives you this manual for this is how to live perfectly, right? This is how to get everything right all of the time. So the reality is we're going to make mistakes along the way. We're going to make mistakes in relationships, in work, in learning, in whatever things we apply ourselves to. If we if we hold on to, okay, whenever I make a mistake, it says something fundamental about who I am as a person and my worthiness as a human being, then you're more likely to give up. Uh, Whereas if you're able to separate your worthiness as a human being from efforts and behavior, then you're more likely to learn from that experience and try again with something different. And in the book, actually, I include um, a section on uh, like values check-ins where we look at, okay, well, not what you want to happen to you, but what kind of person do you want to be? And how do you want to apply yourself to life? How do you want to come at good times and bad times? And and I think that's sometimes a really nice way of coming back from, okay, I've, I've made a mistake, I've done something that I feel terrible about, and I know I shouldn't be that way. Uh, so I'm going to come back to my values. Actually, what are my values about the kind of person I want to be in that sort of situation? Did the way I behaved match up to how I want to be? No. So how can I how can I start moving towards that? What could I do to shift back towards this value that I have about the sort of person I want to be, or how I want to show up in my relationships, or whatever that is? Um, which is a nice way of just getting clarity. Because mm. if we haven't got a direction to move towards, then mm-hmm. we kind of feel a bit lost. I feel like we don't give ourselves that grace, that moment to allow ourselves to ask ourselves that question, we're so caught up in the minutia of, I made this mistake, I felt this way during it, I felt anxious, I felt this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're right. It's, it's if we if we see life as a, a test of, was I born perfect? Or was I born enough and mm. uh, as good as everybody else? You know, if we see it like that, then we're always going to come up against failure and see that as confirmation that we're not good enough. Whereas if we see life as something we can constantly work towards and adjust. So, I mean, I distinguish in the book between sort of goals and values. So goals will be something that you can achieve. And once you've done it, it's finished. So you get there, you know, you pass your exam, it's done. Whereas a value is more like a a path that it never ends. It's always there, but it's a path that means so much to you. You always want to steer close to it. And life pulls you away from those paths at times, right? It just does that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you might have a a value around, I don't know, 
parenting, for example, as the kind of parent you want to be. But you get pulled away from that for whatever reason. Maybe, maybe your boss gets really demanding and work gets really heavy and, and you've not been around as much as you want to be. And so that you notice you're being pulled away from that value. And, and then life becomes this process of noticing you've been pulled away from, you know, you're, you're getting too far away from that pathway. So you've got to slightly redirect and come closer to it. And it's accepting that you'll never, all, you, you know, won't always be perfectly on that pathway. You'll be, you're pulled back and forth. It'll be a windy road, but, but it's always noticing where is that pathway? Can I get closer to it? Can I live more in line with my values, um, given the sort of limitations of my life? Um, and so it's a constant adjustment. So then you don't need to berate yourself for, oh gosh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not living in line with that. It becomes a learning experience. Actually, no, this isn't how I want things to be because that's really important to me to, um, you know, parent in that kind of way or whatever. And so I'm going to, I'm going to make some adjustments that to move closer towards it. You've given a great example of how mindfulness meditation for those listening that um, I've done a few episodes where people have mentioned meditation, but that's a great way to get into that kind of practice where we're not trying to not have thoughts in our head. We're just trying to notice them and, and, and let them go. And, um, we're, you know, there's no such thing as not making mistakes. It's, it's just, how do we move on from it? And that, the, yeah. that very practice is kind of what living is. I know people don't like yeah. to hear that. <laughs> they want like a, a big fix for everything, but yeah, absolutely. I love yeah. Re- yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, it's like that with kind of self-criticism and stuff. Um, in therapy, you know, we we don't eliminate it. We we start noticing it for what it is. And mm-hmm. we say, you know, sometimes we'll even name it with, with um, when I've worked with people who've had sort of almost relentless self-criticism, well, we, what we need to do is diffuse from it and see it as one possible perspective that's not a factual rep you know, um, reflection of reality. So um, sometimes we'll, you know, give that voice and that critical voice a name, you know, it's, I don't know, um, Aunt Elgar or whatever it is. And and you right. kind of, and so that when when you start to be self-critical, you go, oh, there she is again. That's, that's that self-critical voice. That's the one. Um, and just by doing that, just by stepping back, giving it a label in that way, you you enable yourself to see it for what it is, which is, just one perspective and often mm. a really, really unhelpful one that holds you back. And, you know, if you're, it's, it's a bit by, by giving it a name or even a sort of, um, a person's name, it kind of, it enables you to see it in a way that, I don't know, let's say you're, you're with your family and you're all around the table, uh, at Christmas time or whatever. And, and there might be someone in the family that always voices opinions that, that maybe the rest of the family don't quite agree with or that feel inappropriate mm-hmm. and and you can't eliminate that and you wouldn't want to eliminate that person but you you can oh yeah that's you know that's auntie janet or whatever that's what she does mm-hmm. you know by by just kind of giving it that label you enable yourself to sort of accept that that narrative that that it comes along but you're kind of removing yourself from it and you're not right. getting yourself tied up in whether it's right or wrong or um, making it go away. You're allowing it to be there and you're allowing yourself to kind of be, be slightly more free of the impact that it could have on you. I love this part in your book where you say confident is not the same as comfortable. Can you tell us what, what that exactly means? Confident is not the same as comfortable. 
Yeah, I mean, probably a great example is um, more recently, um, I've been uh, going on live TV a few times and talking about mental health and things like that. And because it's brand new to me, um, it triggers the stress response, right? You go into a studio, you're not familiar with it. There's a lot sorts of, you know, loads of people and big equipment. And so it triggers off your stress response and uh, you feel, you know, all of those symptoms of anxiety, heart starts to pound and those kind of things. And then once you're in that response, you're more likely to catastrophize. So I might, you know, they're mm. counting down five, four, three, am I going to go live? And there's some catastrophizing thought that's saying, this could go so wrong. And, and while I feel the anxiety, I know that that stress in my body is my body gearing up to bring its A game and to perform. Mm -hmm. And without that increased alertness that that stress gives me, I probably wouldn't be performing with as much energy as if I was just completely chilled out. And I know it's because it's a novel, new experience to me that my brain is saying, stay alert, you don't know what could happen here. And so, um, but I, I'm still confident in that situation while experiencing that anxiety because I, I know that I know what I'm doing. So I know that uh, right. I know my psychology. So I know I can talk about that kind of thing. And I've been talking about it for, you know, for years. And so I trust in my ability to do that. But I also don't need everything to go perfectly right to be okay with it. Let's say, you know, some the, I don't know, something awful happened and I tripped over on live TV and my dress ends up over my head or whatever. Right. I know, you know, I know that I am not going to use that as fuel to get down on myself and um, criticize myself and hate myself. I know that I will, whatever happens, I have committed to having my own back. So I will do what I need to do to look after myself, whether things go right or wrong for me. And it's that, it's that ultimate kind of self-compassion that enables me to be in really difficult circumstances with this sort of inner confidence. It doesn't mean I don't feel anxious about, oh, something could go wrong here. That's still, you know, that's your body doing what it does best. That stress is, yeah. is positive in that sense. But it enables me to just carry that confidence that whether something goes wrong or not, I will deal with it the best I, I can. We'll continue the interview on the flip side of a quick message from our sponsors. You wouldn't settle for watching a blurry TV, would you? So why settle for just okay TV sound? Upgrade your streaming and sound all in one with Roku Stream Bar. This powerful two-in-one upgrade for any TV lets you stream your favorite entertainment in brilliant 4K HDR picture and hear every detail with auto speech clarity. Whether you're hosting a party or just cleaning the house, turn it up and rock out with iHeartRadio and room-filling sound. Learn more about Roku Stream Bar today at Roku.com. Happy streaming. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs starting on March 13th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget Beach Finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ibera Star Hotels and Resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. To make you an example, which I know you just gave me an example, but when this book was finished and, you know, they were printing it up and printing it, did you have a feeling that it would be this huge international bestseller? And did that affect you in any way where you had to do some work to get ready for the possibility of all of this attention? And then, of course, I assume with that much attention brings criticism, you know, oh, I wrote that book 20 years ago, no one cared, or, you know, whatever, people get jealous, or they say things. Did you have to do any sort of emotional or psychological prep to get ready to receive the spotlight, or even the possibility, oh my God, what if it just makes a thunk in the woods and no one hears it, and now what? Yeah, I mean, it's super scary, right? It makes you really vulnerable, um, you know, putting things onto paper and putting them out into the world. And so it was it was a, a really interesting emotional experience in that sense. And 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 yeah, I, I guess I did um look after myself in a sense that I always stayed close to that that original idea for doing any of this, which was to be helpful. There are some really great insights from therapy that just don't make it outside of the therapy room door for whatever reason. Mm. And or or some of them do, but aren't necessarily explained in a helpful way or a way that I would find interesting or engaging or, you know, approachable. And so I felt that 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 my piece of writing was about me trying to just share good information and be helpful. And so, again, it wasn't who I am. It was it was something Mm. I did. And. Um, I probably looked after myself by staying away from things like reviews for a while. I think my husband yeah. looked and stuff, but but it would have been it would have been me trying to get confirmation that it was okay. And actually, it was privilege. I kind of saw it as privilege enough to be able to given you know given the opportunity to write a book and have it published was enough for me. And um, and so I didn't then want to 
experienced that kind of roller coaster of putting my self worth into the hands of other people based mm. on based on reading something I wrote, you know. So um, uh, that definitely helped. Um, uh, but yeah, I guess nothing can can prepare you for um, the way that it's just sort of yeah taken on a life of its own. This book, it's as well. I keep but seeing I do photos think those of it across too- the world. <laughs> Those are two really important things because you're not saying, oh, well, yes, you know, for six weeks I got up at 6 a.m. and I meditated and I didn't eat sugar. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. just sort of, you know, you're living your values. You, you've you already set yeah. the intention, which is I'm trying to put things out there that are going to help people. And it goes back to what you said about defining your values. You know, it's these it's these almost like big girl grown up things that you talk about in your book that really are such, I think, what goes hand in hand with cognitive behavior therapy and anxiety work and breathing and all that. It's, it's kind of just growing up a little bit. I feel like this, you've given the closest thing that we have out there to a manual of kind of how to, how to grow up, even, no matter how old you are. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, the, I think the whole thing was probably helped by, um, having children, um, mm. that I, when, when I'm facing something that, I probably have the urge to avoid doing altogether because it's scary and it makes me vulnerable. I it really helps me to return to that sense of sort of deep compassion I have for my children. So in thinking, okay, if my daughter was going through this, what would I want her to have the strength to do or to say to herself? How would I want her to treat herself? And how would I want her to feel about, you know, other people's opinions, positive and negative and and that always helps me to just um, sort of re-engage with this idea that um, I don't, I don't get too wrapped up in the, you know, I appreciate all the positive stuff that's come out of it, but I don't, I don't allow it to change my view of myself in terms mm-hmm. of I'm no better, I'm no different, and um, but at the same time, if somebody picks up the book and hates it, I'm no better or no different than either. It's just mm. a piece of work I did. And it's something that I did with good intentions, trying to be as helpful as I can um, in the world with what I've learned so far. And, um, and and I guess it's that that sort of solid um, confidence that I would want my daughter to have. You know, I want her mm. to um, be um, not too rocked by um, how mean or how wonderful other people can be. It's just to be certain that, okay, I'm going to make my contribution to the world and, and, and then so be what, ha- what happens, whatever happens, I'll look after myself, that kind of thing. And lastly, I do want to talk about your social media presence and, and just social media in general as a force for good. Um, and I'll be promoting your videos in, in the talk up intro that I do, but your, your videos on TikTok are so great. First of all, they're beautiful. They're so just colorful and and really cool to look at. But you have these succinct metaphors and analogies and helpful ways of talking to people about different things they may be experiencing, whether it's stress or grief or self-doubt or whatnot. And look, I know we all have to be on social media as authors, performers, whatever. I'm on it too. And I always say, I would not be here if I wasn't trying to promote something. But, you know, I don't always think it's that that cut and dry. I mean, obviously you want to promote your book, but I think that obviously, as you know, because you're the one doing it, these little videos exist on their own. If, if for some reason it didn't dawn on me, you had this book, 
those videos give me a piece of advice, you know, that I can use that day or whatnot. And to do that, I think is, I think great to flood the internet with things that are helpful instead of us all going, ah, the internet got out of control. Let's all just take our ball and go home. So do you have any opinions or passions about putting help on the internet? Because I know not everyone has access to a therapist. Some people may not even think they need one. There may not be one available, whatever. But do you think that giving kind of mental health um, advice or talking about it on the internet can be a force for good? Uh, yeah, I mean, I certainly, I was sharing videos for, you know, um, almost two years before the book came out. And um, and so it, it started without thinking of it as a sort of any kind of marketing tool, but it, it started with, okay, there's this really helpful stuff in therapy that I'm, I'm teaching it to people and it feels like they're, they're learning this for the first time and people should have access to this. So it really, you, even joining social media started as, as this kind of project where it felt like a good thing to do to to share this information for free and where is everybody's attention well it's over there on that free platform so let's try and put something on there and and then it became a bit of an experiment to make it as creative and engaging as possible so that you know people were there with their their thumbs or fingers waiting to kind of scroll on to the next video and so it became a bit of a challenge to you know with probably the the least sexy subject going, you know, how can I talk about mental health and right. keep people watching and keep people engaged when they might not usually. So, um, it, yeah, it became a, it became a sort of real challenge. And, and, but obviously in the world of therapy, where a lot of therapists just aren't even on social media, it felt like I was swimming against the tide professionally, mm. but I kind of felt like, you know, I can sit in my office and complain about, you know, potential misinformation or uh, whatever it is that people are accessing on social media. Or I can get in there and, like you say, add something positive to the mix and slightly increase the chances that anyone with those sorts of problems could come across my information, which is evidence-based and, you know, from therapy and things. So, um, and and honestly, I thought it was going to be one of those projects that you just did for a while because it felt like a nice thing to do and then it would fizzle out. I thought it'd be a couple of months max. And, but the, the, the flood of messages and emails that started to come through instantly every day uh, was just overwhelming. It was, you know, people say, wow, that's, I never thought of it like that before. This has really helped. I'm sharing it with my mum or my sister. We're working on it together. Thank you so much. What's the next bit? And people kind of asking for more and more and more. And um, it was that realization, actually, this is reaching real people and it's having enough of an impact that they take the time to find out what my email address is, send me a page about how it's impacting on their life. I can't stop now. I've got to, you know, I've got to do this. And so it all started with that idea of it being kind of free content. And I still do all of that. You know, we put out, you know, several videos a week, as many as we can. Um, and, and the book just became really that kind of add on where people were saying, this is really helpful. What's the how to, what's the step by step? What's the details? And of course, short form video is a great way to reach lots of people, but you've only got 60 seconds, so I can't get the detail. <laughs> so the book really just became about getting the detail in for the people that really wanted to take it seriously and, and put it into their lives. But I think that, it, again, that being able to convey messages on short form media like TikTok does prove that you are talking about simple, but not easy, but simple concepts. It's There's no real mystery here to... Yeah taking care of your mental health 
it's just, it's available to us, just a matter of if we want to do it. And I do think it's a great resource also for people who do know a lot of, about this already, but maybe they want to find a palatable way to show it to someone they love instead of saying, here's a book. You, you seem like you have some anxiety. I imagine it must be difficult for in the professional space. It's like, but you're not recording client sessions on a hidden camera. Like you're just talking about what you've learned, you know, so yeah. nothing, you're not. <laughs> That's it. It's just educating. And I think the more yeah. that we, you know, use simple things like that to um, uh, start conversations about mental health, the more we we see it in line with physical health. You know, it's not embarrassing to work on your physical health. It's not embarrassing to say, do you know what? I've got a, a dodgy knee, so I'm doing these exercises each day and then I'm going to go and visit my my doctor at the end of the week. That's not embarrassing to do. People do those, they talk about those things openly and freely. It should be the same if, you know, do you know what? I've been feeling X, Y, or Z this week and so I'm going to try this, this and this and I'm going to go and see my therapist. People should feel just as free to talk openly about those things with people they trust um, as they are with their physical health. So I guess that's the dream. Anxiety Bites will be right back after a quick little message from one of our sponsors. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd, cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at go.tcl.com slash TV. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs starting on March 13th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget Beach Finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ibera Star Hotels and Resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Thank you. 
Hey, hey, thanks for sticking around for this part of the podcast. I will be giving some audio bullet points um, of things that we learned from Dr. Julie Smith today in our takeaway portion of Anxiety Bites. If you want to read the takeaways, you may visit my website, jenkirkman.com, click Anxiety Bites. And yes, the direct link is in the show notes on whatever app you're listening on. And you may look at takeaways from every episode of Anxiety Bites all there on my website. So key points, I think, to take away from today. The obsession to have good self-esteem may not be that helpful. Self-esteem is helpful in terms of the way that we feel about ourselves, in terms of that that can be information. However we feel about ourselves can be information, whether it's positive or negative. It's important to turn towards our feelings with curiosity before we just reflexively try to change them. We should look at what we feel so that we can get to work on understanding why that is and how it can help us or whether it's hindering us. Now, you can do work like this in therapy. If it appeals to you, you may want to ask your therapist if you can work on getting help with learning about how to look at your thoughts and feelings with curiosity. And if you don't have a therapist, once again, you can get a copy of Dr. Julie Smith's book, Why Has Nobody Told Me This Before? And then even just going back and listening to this episode and listening carefully to these takeaways and visiting my website, you can see the kind of questions that Dr. Julie Smith has her patients ask themselves. And you can start there with just a daily practice of asking yourself either in your mind or in your journal these questions. To have constant positive self-esteem would suggest that you've never made mistakes or done less than you're capable of. It's not unhealthy or disordered if you reach a period of your life where you are not okay with the person you are or the way that you are behaving. It could be a moment to admit that you're not at your best or doing the best for yourself or your family or your career. It's okay to feel dissatisfaction and then learn from it and move on and progress. Comparing ourselves to others is tricky because we are built to do that as social beings. Our brains do this to see if we are living up to the expectations of our communities. It was once a survival instinct. However, we are in a new moment where we have access to billions of people on social media and can rapidly compare ourselves to many people who are only putting their best foot forward. The need to compare ourselves to others was more adaptive when we lived in small communities and again, when it was a survival thing at the time. We can't eliminate comparing ourselves to others because it does just happen naturally. But what can be worked on in therapy is stepping back and noticing that natural urge. Ask yourself, what kind of people are you comparing yourself to today? Ask yourself if you're comparing up or comparing down and what is that impact on you? Again, coming at this with curiosity and then practice the ability to let these thoughts move on and only hold on to the thoughts that are helping you. Language is important in helping us heal, whether that's connecting with other people, finding somebody you can trust to talk to, 
Or you can write your thoughts down, whether with pen or paper, at your computer, on a voice memo, as long as you get the thoughts out of your head and start to see them for what they are. Now, I know I said on a voice memo as though you write on a voice memo, but speaking it into something that is going to record your words so that you can listen back to them later and hear where you were at on a certain day or hear what your thinking sounds like. Because I'm just interjecting. Our thinking can seem pretty normal to us until we see it on paper and sometimes hear ourselves say it. And again, that's if you um, want to do that on your own, if you want to talk to a friend. A lot of times just we need something to reflect what we just said, especially if what we just said is something that is really destructive in terms of how we talk about ourselves and think about ourselves. And a lot of times things that just aren't true that we say to ourselves. If you're trying to be less self-critical, ask yourself at the end of the day if there were any moments when you were self-critical. What were those things? What came just before that moment of self-criticism and how did it make you feel afterwards? Being, quote, enough means that you have a sense of worthiness based on the fact that you're a human being. Worthiness is not based on whether you get everything done perfectly or achieve being the best. It's a way of saying to yourself, I'm here with you and I have your best interests at heart. When we make mistakes, it does not mean that we are a mistake and that it says something fundamental about who we are. It's okay to say that you've done something that you feel terrible about and then it's time to come back to your values and think about the kind of person you want to be and how you can start moving towards that. Having self-compassion means that you're committed to having your own back, whether things go right or wrong for you. Once again, thank you to Dr. Julie Smith for coming onto the podcast. You can get her book, Why Has Nobody Told Me This Before, wherever you get books and visit the show notes to find her TikTok account and her Instagram account where she does really great short really visually stimulating, colorful, helpful videos about all aspects of mental health and the way that we think about things. And and these videos give a, a quick lesson in how to reframe a lot of situations that we're in in life. And on this last episode of Anxiety Bites, I I don't have any deep, profound thoughts about what this experience has been like, but I've been completely blown away And thanks to my producers, JJ and Dylan, for booking such incredible guests, but that that the guests said yes to my request for them to come on the show. I was really honored and talked to a lot of people who've long been heroes of mine and teachers of mine, you know, that had no idea they were teaching me. But one thing I found interesting during Anxiety Bites, and it had nothing to do with actually getting on the microphone and doing this podcast itself, was some of the questions that people asked me, and these are people I know. A few people I know asked me uh, all separate times, is doing the podcast every week something that actually makes you more anxious? And honestly, I wanted to jump out of my skin and just, I, I was almost a little mad at that question. No, first of all, on 19 levels, right? You know, you think someone who knows you a little bit 
would understand that I started this podcast because I felt like I had something to offer. I felt like I had enough anxiety recovery to be able to speak intelligently to my guests who were going to be talking about some of the things I had gone through, but I didn't want to be the expert and be telling you all what to do. But I wanted to be able to kind of keep up with my guests and not be learning everything for the first time. Although I did learn a lot for the first time through all of my guests, of course. But if it was something that made me anxious, I would have talked about it on the podcast. And had you, you know, I would have wanted you all to experience me walking through that anxiety to see what it would look like as an example of what it looks like when we walk through anxiety. Now, again, the people that know me that ask me that, maybe they don't even listen to the podcast and that's fine. But, uh, and and one person that I don't know very well, but they asked me what I do and I said, I'm a writer, but I also have a podcast and they wanted to know what the podcast was about, blah, blah, blah. So they asked the same question. And I think what's so frustrating about it is, Well, first of all, as we know, I can be easily frustrated. We've talked about my ADHD diagnosis and how, you know, there's that kind of like quick to react thing. I mean, I didn't react, but I only reacted in my heart. But it's frustrating because talking about it is exactly what we need to do to lessen the anxiety. And and by the way, maybe we don't even need to think about why we need to talk about it. Oh, because it will bring down all of our anxiety because we're already putting too much expectation on it. It, We should just talk about it because we should talk about everything. We should talk about everything that we are experiencing as humans because all too often, even the smartest people have told me that they think they're the only people who feel a certain way. And it's just almost impossible that you would be the only human being on earth to feel a certain way. And if that's true, then you should be being studied in a lab and you you know get an award. You're the most unique person who ever lived. But no wonder people think this because we don't talk about anything. We don't even talk about our feelings, whether we have a diagnosable anxiety disorder or not. We just don't talk about feelings. My biggest annoyance in life is small talk, right? So think of how many times a day someone goes, hi, how are you? And you go, good. That's not true. I mean, maybe you are good. Maybe there's many details to it. Maybe you're good because you just had therapy. Maybe you're good because you just had a change in perspective on something, but this morning you weren't. Whatever. I mean, it would be so interesting if we answered this question honestly. I mean, it might be time consuming, but in general, you can just see little examples like that of how we're just culturally taught to just say good, keep moving. And so for me, it's like, again, if if talking about anxiety on this podcast caused me anxiety, I would have mentioned it to you and talked about that. But in general, we're not trying to avoid anxiety because that only feeds it. I mean, most of our problems, if we were anxious, comes from not just the anxiety itself, but we keep the anxiety going, like throwing uh, logs onto a fire. We keep the anxiety going when we use our maladaptive skills, which a lot of times involve avoiding something that makes us anxious, whether it's you're avoiding driving over a bridge or you're avoiding talking about it, whatever it is, it often involves avoidance, sometimes avoiding even thinking about it, which is why a lot of people 
are hesitant to do, you know, like more kind of exposure therapies like we talked about on the OCD episode. And so no, 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 no. And even if talking about anxiety on this podcast made my anxiety worse, I would still do it because it's like I talked about with Josh, anxiety Josh from the UK on an earlier episode when I told him that I'd been avoiding going on this uh, subway line because it goes over a bridge outside and it, I just don't sometimes don't like that feeling or I'm I'm worried I won't like that feeling even though I love being on a subway and I I don't mind you know it's a small height I don't mind looking over the bridge over the city it's really cool but it was like I was worried about panicking I wasn't even worried about the actual thing I was doing and he said then you get back on that subway and you practice you practice sitting there having a panic attack. You practice the feelings of derealization. And again, so anytime that something we're doing is causing us anxiety, and not the kind of anxiety that's really, you know, a red flag and is telling us this is dangerous, but 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 what people were asking me about, oh, doesn't it make you more anxious? It's like, no. It's always an opportunity to practice sitting with the anxiety letting it do its thing and however you have been um, working on it to let it dissipate or just let it be with you until it's okay. Because we're going to have anxiety. We're going to have panic attacks. We're going to have, even if you don't have anxiety or panic, thoughts that plague us. Whatever it is, I'm not saying the answer to everything is to just talk about it and sit with it. But for sure, the answer is not don't talk about it and don't do a podcast about it because it might make you more anxious. And I also think what they don't realize they were asking is, aren't you overanalyzing it? That's what I really, I felt there was, I don't think they were aware of it, but like an accidental, almost judgment on their part. But, but again, I don't think they were judging. I don't think they would think they were judging, but it's that thing I've heard before from people when, when they would find out, you know, oh, you go to therapy every week and you've been going this long. And it's like, aren't you done over analyzing everything? It's like, well, that's, first of all, we're not analyzing anything. I'm speaking about things and someone is helping me make choices about how I want to work through them or how I want to look at things so that I'm not actually a burden to myself and others so that I'm able to get the coping skills I need to be a productive member of society. I mean, it, there's this notion like the more therapy you're in, the worse it gets, which is just not true unless, of course, you are having some kind of psychotic relationship with your therapist. But in general, there's this notion of if we look at something, it gets bigger. And I believe it's exactly the opposite. It doesn't necessarily get smaller, but our perception of how big it is might change. So that's my parting wisdom, which is, although I will not be here for the rest of the year, you will not hear new episodes of Anxiety Bites, you can still talk about anxiety. And I would be honored if you use this podcast as a way to bring up talking about anxiety with anybody. If, if you relate with any episode, you want to pass it on to someone in order to say to them, this is what I have, or this is how it feels to be me. That's another great way to use this podcast. The episodes will be up. And again, all the takeaways will be on my website. And if you want to look at audiograms, which is, you know, um, 
anywhere from one to three minute audio clips of every episode. And in the audiogram, it will tell you who the guest is, what the episode number was. You can find all of those on my Twitter, which is at Jen Kirkman. They also exist on my Instagram and on my TikTok. All of those accounts are at Jen Kirkman. And you can scroll through and listen to little bite-sized ones anytime that you want. They're also on my YouTube page. Um, So again, if you click the link in the show notes to my bio link, you can get access to all of my social media and find out where else you can find me. If you grew attached to me and would like to keep up with what's going on with me outside of this podcast. So thanks again for listening, for subscribing, for all of the great feedback I got. And remember, anxiety bites but you're in control. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd, cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at go.tcl.com slash TV. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs starting on March 13th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget Beach Finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ibera Star Hotels and Resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. (sighs) Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.